0: If you've got your Bible with you, I'd love you to find James chapter 2. We started a message series a couple of weeks ago um, that we're calling Faith in the Real World, Faith in Action. And it's just a walk through the, this letter, this epistle uh, that we call James. And so uh, we're into chapter 2 this morning. We're going to read the first 13 verses in this uh, title of today's message is Playing Favorites. Playing favorites. James chapters 2, starting at verse 1. If you're new to the Bible, it's really near the end of the New Testament. And he writes this. He says, uh, my dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? For example, suppose someone comes into your meeting and, dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, well, you can stand over there or else sit on the floor. Well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? Listen to me, brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? But you dishonor the poor. Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ, whose noble noble name you bear? Yes, indeed, it is good when you obey the royal law as found in scriptures. Quote, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you favor some people over others, you're committing a sin. You're guilty of breaking that law. For the person who keeps all of the laws, except one, is as guilty as the person who has broken all of God's laws. For the same God who said, you must not commit adultery, also said, you must not murder. So, if you murder someone, but you not commit adultery, you've still broken the law. So, whatever you say, or whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you've been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. Well, I can't um, show you pictures on a screen today. So I'm going to what I would do with a picture. I'm going to just try to illustrate for you in person. All right. So this is me with a face covering. So my mask is on, right? Like many of you, Uh, By the way, as we disperse, we're giving you Otter Pops today on the way out. But if you're not eating your Otter Pop and you're interacting with others, throw your face covering on to protect one another. Okay, so this is me with a mask. This is me without the mask. A little easier to breathe right now. If you, for example, let's say you saw me at the grocery store without a mask. What prejudice would you hold? Right. Would you think to yourself, that guy's trying to kill people. That guy doesn't care. Or would you think that guy's like me? He doesn't want to be controlled. He doesn't want to be told what to do. He he doesn't think that's helping. Or. If you saw me with the mask. What would you think? Would you think. Oh, that guy's a coward. Or would you think, well, that guy's being really thoughtful toward other people and being really careful not to potentially pass COVID around. Either side would say, I've got science on my side. So it really is a question of what would your level of prejudice be unmasked or masked? Now, of course, that's just a silly example but the point is that none of us are free of discrimination and, and, and judgment or prejudice, at least a little. Now, that's a silly illustration, but, but James is talking about something much more serious in the church. There's some something's going on there where there's profound discrimination happening between rich and poor. They were treating the wealthy better than they were treating those in poverty. The gospel, listen. The gospel is explicit that for those in Christ, the divisions that we typically count on, you know, like gender, uh, financial status, ethnicity—those divisions that we typically use to differentiate each other—in Christ, those things are erased. Those things are gone. For example, the Apostle Paul he wrote to the to the Galatian church, and he said this: verses Galatians three twenty-seven and twenty-eight. He said. All who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. We're all one in Christ. Okay, so we're considered equals in that sense. And yet the Bible doesn't say we ought to be identical. Okay, let's look at the New Testament church. In the New Testament church, we're told as they began to gather, they recognized that some had financial needs and others didn't. So some of those with means started selling their stuff, even their property, and helping one another. So that we're told in the New Testament church that no one had needs because they really took care of each other. Well, that's, that's a pretty beautiful picture, right? That's fantastic. Some of you say, well, that sounds like socialism or that sounds like communism. Well, here's, here's how it's not those things. Those were an individual choice. Nobody was forced to do that. It was completely voluntary. There was no kind of mandated wealth redistribution uh, going on for them. And it didn't erase the reality that among them, there were some who were well off and some who were not, some who were poor. Jesus even told his disciples, listen, guys, you will always have the poor among you. Which means, by extension, that you will always have those who are wealthy among you as well. Okay, so we're not all the same, especially in this particular thing that James is talking about. But we ought to all get the same treatment. And while James is talking about the rich and the poor here, it applies to other areas too, right? So the maskers and the anti-maskers and the Democrats and Republicans. Can you believe that there could be one church that has both Democrats and Republicans in it? possible. Asian, Hispanic, African, European, in Christ, we don't discriminate. Now, it doesn't mean that we're going to necessarily agree or endorse one another's beliefs, convictions, politics, behaviors, right? But we don't show favoritism to the individual. So, I want you to think about this scenario for a minute. James, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, James is writing to people who are being persecuted for their faith. They're oppressed. They're mistreated. And, you know, if you're under that circumstance, you're looking to get some help. And you know that, hey, the person who is of low means, the poor person, they're not going to help your case. But the person who's got some money, a little bit of influence, a little power, they might be able to help you Get through your tough times, right? So, as these folks are gathering, as this church is gathering, the rich guy comes in and they say, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, we got a perfect spot for you. Like, Vester and Virginia here, they got the preferred spot, front row, right? It's not because of the wealthiest here. It's because of the best looking and they've been married longer than most of us put together. What is it? What did we decide the other day? Seventy 70 years married this summer. Yeah. Yeah. So they actually should get special treatment. But besides them, right? And, uh, and then they're saying to the poor guy, Oh, you can stand in the back. Actually, you can just sit on the floor. It's just, it's unbelievable. Now, if you've traveled in, a, say, a missions trip or something, we deal with this sometimes when we go overseas. Like when we go to the Philippines, it gets uncomfortable because we come in as Westerners. We're the, we're the guests. And they're like, oh, you get to, you get to sit in the special spot and they feed us first. And it always feels uncomfortable. It's, it's a cultural thing, but it's a bit of a reminder. It's like, wow, you guys are, it, it creates a separation for us. It's always a, a bit of a tough time for us. But they've got this division. Now, it does mean that the church was gathering regularly and there were open gatherings where anybody could come, public gatherings, proclamation of the gospel, all that stuff. The problem, James says, is that you're sucking up to the very ones who are making your life miserable. These are unbelievers that they're welcoming, and they're, but these are the people that are making their life difficult. He says in verses 6 and 7, isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ, whose noble name you bear? So there's a local elite, the movers and shakers. But James is is warning his listeners, look, don't play favorites with people just because they have money. Showing favoritism toward the rich is contrary to our faith. James asks in verse 5, right? Look at verse 5. He says, hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? Or to quote Jesus himself, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Back to some of our, our global trips, we see sometimes I've just been profoundly humbled to see folks in the most sparse conditions. Uh, a, a, you know, a, a slum type house or a squatter type shack, and yet their faith in Jesus is pure and strong. You think, I, I, how is this even possible? It's, it's not to say that being poor is better than being wealthy. Let me be clear about that. A poor person can be obsessed about money. So it's not that being poor is somehow better than being rich. But as you know, living in a wealthy nation like ours, and by global standards, we're all very wealthy. Wealth can become a very powerful distraction, keeping us from really seeking the Lord, because we depend on our own means instead of depending on Him. Now, I personally would like to think I'm totally immune to any of this prejudice that James is talking about. That's what I'd like to think. But, hey, let's be honest. There are those times that someone walks into our gathering who's maybe homeless or uh, very obviously struggling with mental health issues. And we all get our uncomfortable going, don't we? We're just all like, oh, I don't know about this. Right. Okay. so why does all of this discrimination, prejudice stuff matter so much? Quite simply, we reject favoritism because God does not show favoritism to us. You and I have not experienced that. Every sinner has equal access to the grace of God. No matter who you are. No matter where you go to church or you don't go to church. Whether you're sitting here or you're in one of these apartments around us. Every person, and we're all sinners, every person has equal access to the grace of God. That nice church lady who you think never has a sinful thought, Or that addict who just can't seem to get his act together. Or that honor roll student that everybody loves. Jesus died for each one, and each one needs Jesus. So, now imagine. Imagine if God's grace were just a little more freely given to the person who is a little wealthier than you, a little better looking, a little more successful, right? A little more talented. We would be ruined because there's always somebody a little more successful, a little wealthier, a little better looking, a little has it together a little bit more, we would be in trouble. So God does not discriminate. And so we're reminded here by James of what he calls the royal law, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus told a now famous story of the, of the Good Samaritan, right? This, this guy who generously helped a stranger in need. And he used that story to illustrate that that that's every person that you any person you encounter in need that that's your neighbor potentially is your neighbor, and, and love puts another's needs ahead of your own. It puts their preferences ahead of your own. You don't worry about your inconvenience if you can help someone else. And when we don't, James says we're sinning. We're breaking God's law. And I, I you know I don't know. I think it's quite clear that the. It's just that when we show favoritism, when we treat some people better than others, for whatever reason, like I say, wealthier, better looking, more successful, smarter, that's a sin. And and, and something James doesn't explicitly mention, but I, I think we can draw it out of the passage as well, is that not only are we not to show favoritism, we ought not expect it either. We ought not expect favorable treatment just because we've somehow achieved, been around long enough, somehow acquired something. Well, I, I gave a little bit more than someone else, so I ought to be treated a little bit better. He's warning us about that too. I know it's easy to grow, and I, I know for me, it's easy to grow an attitude of entitlement when we've got some stability. You know, like you, you go to work and you have your parking spot because you always park there and that should be yours. I'm entitled to this. And someone else got there before you and you're not happy about it, right? One good thing that I think that COVID has done for us is that when we do finally get all back together inside of there, you won't know what happened to your chair, your seat. You're going you're gonna to be bothered by that. Like, well, I always sit here. This is my spot. Oh, <laughs> your spot's gone. Someone else has it now. Or maybe your seat got moved to the front row. That could happen, right? Jesus shows us the way on this. The Son of God did not come to be served but to serve. Jesus deserved every special treatment, but he did not demand it. I think historically, and you know this is kind of a personal uh, connection point, but for me, but historically, certainly it, it, areas where I grew up, that there was this expectation that if you're a pastor, you should get a deal or if it, as a church, we shouldn't have to pay full price on stuff. And that's part of that entitlement that we're, we're speaking against to say, well, we, you should, you, should, you business person shouldn't be able to charge full price to me because I'm a Christian or I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm from the church or I'm a, you know, oh, that's, that's part of the problem. So I know it's really hard to deal with this when everything's being challenged. You don't want to think about these big issues when everything familiar is kind of turned around for us. Guess we're not singing that song. Um you guys need to grab it, you can. But, you know, here's the principle. We don't show favoritism because God did not show favoritism. And we don't demand favoritism because Jesus didn't demand favoritism. Right? Jesus didn't. Jesus had, you know, every right to special privilege. Jesus had every right to special treatment. The son of God come to earth should have had people tripping over themselves to give him special treatment, but he didn't take it. He didn't demand it. He didn't come to be served, but to serve. All right, let's finish up with the last couple of verses here. Verses 12 and 13. Let's go over it one more time. He says, whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you've been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. You're always judged by the law of the jurisdiction where you face the judgment, right? So if you went to Mexico or Canada or Australia or some other place and you broke their law, you would face penalty under their law. You'd you'd be judged according to their standard. That's how it works. Well, if you're yielded to Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are in His kingdom jurisdiction. And so there's a standard. James is saying there's a standard for us to be judged. And it's the law of liberty. The law that sets you free from sin. The law of freedom. The law is that Jesus died for your sin. And was raised to life for your eternal salvation. And so that by trusting in him. You receive forgiveness and freedom in Christ. Forgiven not by what you've done. Not forgiven, not by what you've said, but forgiven because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross, because forgiven because of what Jesus did for you. And so you've been treated without bias in this. And so we adopt the same approach. We treat others without bias, no matter their social, financial, racial status. Doesn't matter. As Jesus says here, as James writes here, that the merciful will receive mercy and the unmerciful will receive No mercy. I don't know about you. I desperately need mercy. So if I need mercy, I better be ready to show mercy. I'm going to invite Jacob and Connor and Evan to come back and lead us in one more kind of closing song today. Listen, when we really grasp how we've been treated by God, when we really understand that God doesn't look at you and say, Okay, you have just done too many sinful things. Or you're just not, you just don't know the Bible good enough. Or you, you just haven't been in church enough. You, you know, we might say something that we think disqualifies us. And when we grasp that those things don't disqualify you from the grace of God, the mercy of God, the forgiveness that Jesus accomplished for you on the cross. Jesus died, the Bible says, Jesus died once for all once one time it's a it's a complete full and final act of forgiveness and so when we grasp that we recognize that that Jesus isn't looking to push people away it's an open door of invitation Jesus says I am the way the truth and the life anyone who would come right to the father comes through me so it's an it's an invitation it's not a it's not a stern Kind of looking for you to mess up, but it's this constant invitation for you to know him without prejudice, without bias he doesn't look at your skin color doesn't look at your bank account doesn't doesn't look at your you know your gender he says just come, trust in me and so it's that same thing as his followers we take that same attitude and approach of of not showing that bias and prejudice toward others. And I when I if we really recognize that, we would want to rise up and worship. We would want to turn our hearts toward him. To recognize that I received so much that I didn't deserve. Mercy, grace, kindness, forgiveness. And I have not received what I did deserve. Judgment, punishment, it makes us want to live the life Jesus calls us to, to, to live, to embody this royal law of loving our neighbor as ourself. And there's really some practical ways. And, and I started by talking about these masks and so on. And listen, it's one of the, the, right now, in this current season, it's one of the ways you love the people around you when you're in places where you're interacting with people. You, you show your love by putting on a little face covering. It, there's lots of ways you can show kindness, love toward one another, not discriminating based on how people look. I wonder if we're willing, I wonder if you're willing, I wonder if I'm willing to bring our personal prejudices to the Lord. To say, whatever things I'm going to be you know, worked up over, or stand for, or protest for, or, or make a case for, when I gather in God's people, we set that aside because we don't discriminate. We don't pre- we don't show prejudice. We love one another. Am I willing to bring those prejudices to him? Or maybe I need to say, God, I don't think I have any. Can you show me if there's places where I have bias, where I treat others unequally with prejudice? Show me what that is, Lord, because I don't want to I don't want to do that. And maybe you're somebody you've never given your life to Jesus. You don't even know what it means to be a follower of Him. You've never heard the gospel. Let me tell you this. Here it is you were created by God. He loves you. He designed you to have a relationship with Him, God Almighty. But we all sin, we all do this thing called sin, and it separates us from God. And so we try to reach God. We do good things. We give money. We try to be a good person. We care for the environment. Whatever it is you think that's somehow righteous, somehow saving you, none of that can achieve righteousness, holiness with God. So God instead makes a way. It's unlike any other worldview or philosophy that God himself reaches down to us by sending his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus comes to earth. He dies on the cross. In that process, takes on the sin of the whole world. And as he takes your sin and my sin, he says, listen, I've forgiven it. It's up to you whether or not you want to receive that forgiveness. And as we do that, if you'll do that, he gives you new life. Around here we sometimes call the ABCs to admit that I'm a sinner and I need saving. To be is to, to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He died for my sin and rose again. And C is to commit my life to follow him all my days. And if that's you, Here's the beautiful thing. You just tell God yourself. You just approach Him yourself. God, that's me. I I want to be forgiven. I want to be saved. I just call on you and I put my life in your hands today. It's called the good news. It's called the gospel. It's freely available to everyone. So God, we just give you praise for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to gather. We love you. Thank you for your great love for us. In your name we pray. Amen.